Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasberry. This is Frank Pelicone. You are listening to episode 171, and tonight we are starting to cover the top five horror movies of each year of the 2000s, starting with the year of 2000. So, Frank, uh, this is going to be the beginning of the fourth decade of horror movies that we've covered. If you go back in the archives, we have 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, So, first question I have for you is, I think this is like largely just to complete this but it's like how do you feel about the 2000s in terms of horror generally uh, it's pretty uneven um i mean there's definitely some some pretty great stuff in the 2000s but i also think there's a whole lot of trash um throughout the 2000s so it's just kind of a kind of a mixed bag every year and definitely um I mean, there's some stuff that kind of, I guess, like, predicts the eventual boom that's going to come, but for the most part, it's, um, you know, well, we'll talk about it every year. Yeah. Every month. Gotta just, just get through 2023, that's what I keep telling myself. Um, Eventually, I'll make you talk about the 60s. That's going to be real awesome, because you're going to be super stoked to talk about all those movies. Right. Yeah. What did I? I think I agreed. I was just going to give you like one episode of like the top five of the 60s or something. Yeah, like see, that. that's fucked up. But, um, oh, I was worried about the 70s. So, um, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll come around to the 60s too when we do it someday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't imagine there's much different from last October when we finished with the top five horror movies in 99 that a lot has changed in a year's time but um as we are looking forward to the next 10 months uh what kind of things in terms of trends and horror should we be looking for do you think and is there any signs of that here so far you're gonna see a larger emphasis on Japanese horror in terms of stuff that um was coming out Japanese and Asian horror in general. Um, And then the larger amount of remakes that are going to be out every year. Um, American remakes of Asian horror films. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to see a lot of shit-ass sequels. Um, That's a big part of the 2000s. Um, A lot of low-budget indie horror that's not necessarily like made with the same loving care that we're going to talk about in the 2010s when we get to like the real big like renaissance um of horror um uh, it's just a lot of trash you know i mean there's not not that much great um there's a lot of pg-13 stuff uh a lot of things where um studios were really Studios saw things like The Ring um, and The Grudge and whatever, and we're like, oh man, like we can make money off this, so you got a bunch of remakes of 80s horror movies in the 2000s that are terrible. Um, you've got a bunch of new IPs that they're trying to start with, like um, stars from like the CW and the WB um, that are pretty terrible by and large, um, so uh, it's just, you know, it's just a bunch of crap really yeah. but but hey every 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 month we got five to talk about so here we go <laughs> is there more of a uh 
emphasis on not emphasis maybe but uh, more of an inclusion of women that starts happening in the 2000s at all or well, women's stories in a, in a more realistic or sensitive way as opposed to just being final girls no not particularly no not until like the later 2000s mm. i mean you get a lot more you get a lot more positive female characters only because again like the studios are trying to make movies that are pg-13 so you're not going to have a lot of like nudity or graphic violence or whatever so they got to do something um yeah so i guess if they're not going to make the woman take their clothes off they just uh we'll let them have like you know character characterization or whatever yeah um but again a lot of it's just like it's just trash i mean you've got some female you've got some women friendly filmmakers and some female filmmakers that definitely make movies that you know have maybe like a feminist bent or are, are um more like i don't know like welcoming of like a female audience Mm-hmm. But it's not like there's like some kind of like sea change where all of a sudden it's like, you know, all these directors trying to make like inclusive movies or whatever. I mean, yeah. there's still just as much, you know, gratuitous trash cinema. But um, sure. again, also because they're trying to make money, a lot of that is geared towards an audience that's not going to have like the nudity, the gratuitous violence, the graphic nature of like you know the 80s and even into the 90s like slasher films um a lot of that stuff is very very niche at this point and you're gonna see a lot more um kind of like pablum horror in a lot of ways so yeah but you know how was the because you're working at the movie theater during this decade for part of it so what what's the box office like for horror is it generally good do you know pg-13 horror movies are good Mm-hmm. you know you'll sell out friday night and saturday night every week with your you know teenage kid crowd that can come in without a parent or guardian um there's not a whole lot of stuff that like breaks the bank i mean the ring did well um every once in a while you'll get some outlier that kind of catches you off guard like uh jeepers creepers or um I don't know, like like something like Freddy versus Jason comes out. <coughs> you know, people are really into that, but it's also not like there's a huge amount of um like stuff that has a whole lot of staying power. You know, I mean it'll yeah. be you'll get one weekend, maybe two weekend pop. If it's a slow week, you might put it in like one of the larger houses. Um but for the most part it's gonna go in like a a middling size house which kind of forces it to sell out and then also sort of like drags out the box office like unnaturally by a couple of weeks but i mean i'm trying to think like like every year there's one or two you know you figure like 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 dawn of the dead um like the descent ditto did decent but that was our mm-hmm. so that was a lot harder same with something like devil's rejects or wolf creek i mean they were you know busy like they had because any horror movie is always going to have like a few um heavy shows but it's not like they're it's not like titanic or i don't know even like the matrix sequels or anything you know you're not like like consistently selling out auditoriums of these horror movies with the exception of stuff like the ring which or the others or 
is paranormal activity the biggest one of the decade probably mm. you know? it's, it's hard to say because i was like it's not... certainly the one that's the most buzz probably the, well remember i wasn't working um yeah. wasn't working in the industry at that point yeah. so i can't remember i mean there were several movies that year uh 1408 did pretty well as i remember um i don't know like horror movies are always going to draw people in you're always going to have like people that will come and you know want to sit down and see horror movies and but they didn't also you also don't have the the masturbatory like affection for horror movies that happened later in like the 2010s from critics i mean it really is kind of like it follows and the babadook i guess are the first two that really push like horror into the conversation of being worthy of like admiration and like that's where you get that the real indie push um that actually kind of like generates a lot of buzz around horror movies and makes them talked about. And you can start looking at certain directors as being, um, artists, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, Ari Aster, uh, oh, you know, it's, it's, it, it's still considered a trash genre, I think by most critics mm-hmm. and it definitely, um, does not improve on a lot of ways throughout the course of the decade yeah. so do you really do you want to know the top 10 of this of this decade like so i found it quickly um i don't count the first one it's the mummy returns i don't really feel that's a, like yeah, it's an action movie yeah uh signs would be two in this list um at 408 million hannibal uh 351 million what lies beneath 291 million yeah the Village, 256. The Ring, 249. Paranormal Activity, 193. The Grudge, 187. Saw 3, 164. And Scream 3, 161. Are the top 10. Yeah, and see, it's only the bottom five of that list that I would even argue are probably horror movies. Right. So. Right. Um. Yeah, interesting. Uh, the last question I have for you quickly is: uh, found footage. Is this like the like the because of Player Witch in '99? Like, is this the decade, or would you say the tens are like the real big, like just glut of found footage, like in, or is it Paranormal Activity that really like creates the glut? Well, no, there's a lot of a decent amount of found footage in the like the indie movies from earlier than that, but it's okay. really paranormal activity that is going to push like found footage into the forefront. Okay. But you know, like Poughkeepsie tapes is that same year. Um, there's stuff that kind of clover fields around that time, I guess. Oh, that's Oh eight. That's after paranormal activity. After, okay. Um, you have stuff like that kind of straddles that line. It, not uh, things like, like session nine that's not found footage but it has like a cinema verite feel to it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um but it's really paranormal activity when it makes like so much money yeah 
um because that's the same year as wreck that's the same year as poughkeepsie tapes um and then you have cloverfield after that which also goes on to make like a shit ton of money um there's a movie actually one of the movies that's on the list for 2008 left bank one of my favorite found footage from like that early um the wild man of the navidad which is like a um, bigfoot found footage movie mm-hmm. um and then after that it's just everything is found footage for yeah like years yeah that's what i'm thinking is that glut that you see on tubi of just like all these like just found footage movies and i wasn't yeah. sure when that really started it's 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 um it's paranormal activity so like oh seven okay is really like that first giant like wave where it just never ends all right, so anything that you came close to making the list or that you wanted to just mention briefly? Uh, you know, sure. I mean, there's, well, there's actually one month um, where there's nothing that came close to making the list <laughs> except the five movies on the list. <laughs> That's a rough year. Um, Dracula 2000, which was a Roger Corman-produced uh, horror movie, came out. Um, that I think is a lot of fun. Um, that I almost put that on. Uh, the first two made-for-TV Juan movies are 2000. Um, but I figure we've talked about Juwan so much and we're going to talk about it again, um, at various points over the course of, you know, the two thousands. So I didn't really want to put that on there and a movie that I, I don't know that I necessarily consider horror, but I think is really good. It's maybe like survival horror or action horror and, um, pitch black, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is a pretty fantastic movie. Um, I mean, definitely not underrated, but I think in terms of like, a horror movie i don't know that people necessarily think of it in that regard but um really, really well done very creepy like horror in the vein of like aliens kind of um right. but more actiony um and a really good performance by by vin diesel and spawned a really fun um video game yes uh, i don't know that you you played that right the butcher oh, yeah. butcher bay yeah butcher bay yeah escape from um, butcher bay or something like that yeah that was it everything else just kind of made the list the problem with a lot of stuff from around this time too is that there's so much direct to video horror that's just terrible. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just this is like the atrocious trash period of horror from like probably ninety seven, ninety eight, where people really stopped giving a shit about what was going on on video and they would just put anything out as direct to video. And so you've got so much stuff from like full moon features and, um. Uh, shock factory was putting out a bunch of stuff like rhino would put out a bunch of crap um i'm trying to think there's another couple of those uh just terrible like direct-to-video companies that were always like cranking out trash and there's a lot of things that i'm not a fan of from around the early 2000s um especially the european like shock horror um which i just can't take like i can't watch that shit um so you have a lot of that from around like this time which we'll just never talk about because i don't think that i necessarily care to give it the time so sure. how were you watching like finding stuff back then um outside of theaters like with that like bunch of shit that's being put out were you just were you buying stuff by that point or were you yeah. running yeah. from somewhere or nah i mean i i really stopped renting movies in the late 90s mm-hmm. um as much because sometimes blockbuster or sometimes like you would find like video stores but for the most part it was almost cheaper to just go and buy 
um, bargain bin DVDs and stuff if you wanted to find things. Um, the internet was a big place where I was finding a lot of movies. So um, early message boards, uh, something awfuls. Um, what, like in like zip drives or something? Like a zip folder? Like a no, files no, just, or something? Just, or? You would find it through conversation and then you would a lot of times do tape trading. Um, gotcha. Where you would do uh, you'd whatever, like send somebody a, a money order for whatever and they would send you like VHS copies. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that a lot in the early 2000s getting um, the stuff that was really difficult to find from Japan. Right. Um, a lot of Takashi Miike's like earlier stuff, a lot of uh you know your, your um japanese like tokyo extreme type things right. um stuff that eventually i would lose my interest in um things that i don't necessarily find to be appealing to watch but back then i was like super into it mm-hmm. we'll actually talk about that with the number five movie honestly about my mm. like losing interest in things all right good segue so number five on your list is versus it is directed by Ryuhei Kitamura. It stars Takasaguchi, Hideo Sakaki, and Chiko Misaka. It has a 75% from critics, a 77% from audiences. You want to tell us a little bit about this one and why you made the list? Versus is a really good example of um, kind of the blending of the anime aesthetic into uh, the live action film, um, which is something that was pretty pretty predominant in the early 2000s for Japanese cinema. Um, it's a pretty simple premise. There's portals all over the world to um, other dimensions. Um, there happens to be a portal in the Forest of Resurrection, which is in the middle of Japan. Um, there's these two men who have been continuously resurrecting over the course of time to fight the sort of eternal battle over the soul of this woman who's kind of like pure this princess i guess she is um so the man who's a prisoner in the movie that you feel is like the protagonist um he was murdered by the guy that's the antagonist in i guess like the 17 or 1800s when they were both like samurai um they've resurrected again and now they're you know the man that was killed is trying to still like keep this princess safe um they're in this forest that's possessed with demons so there's a lot of like supernatural elements to it and zombies and stuff like that but i mean more or less it's 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 an action movie with a high gore factor and like a pretty um pretty high energy um kung fu like hyper stylized sword fight aesthetic to it um i love this movie when i first saw it this is one of those movies that i got on vhs like some terrible like copy on vhs with bad subtitles because for years it just wasn't available anywhere um i actually remember being super excited i think probably like 03 or 04 uh the director's cut of this got released on dvd um a really nice like um collector's edition dvd and it had um restored footage that wasn't in the original version i had seen and it was cleaned up and it looked beautiful um and i I used to love this movie like i i'm a pretty big sucker for the whole like immortal combatants type thing you know like i i like the highlander movies um Mm -hmm. um 
just that like that edgelord feel of like oh like you know this is like the chosen one that's like special and they're gonna fight like through time or whatever and there's still some decent stuff in here in terms of like the action choreography but it's really kind of cheesy and it hasn't necessarily held up in my estimation over the past 20 some years um i still had fun watching Mm -hmm. elements of this movie um i still think there's some really funny dialogue and um uh, Siguchi um is is pretty like insufferably cool as the you know the hair flopped over the one eye um ninja like assassin who like never i don't know like breaks the sweater breaks like whatever his cool demeanor um there's also a pretty cool twist at the end of this movie where it turns out that that neither of them is really the good guy that they kind of just like swap over the course of like millennia they sort of like swap positions where now the one that was like saving her before and was the you know the protagonist is now all of a sudden the antagonist you know a thousand years later and she realizes that you know maybe she made a mistake the last time and it's sort of implied that that's kind of how like just the cycle goes that they're constantly kind of like flipping as to it basically is just whichever one like has her is kind of like the bad guy and whichever one doesn't have her is kind of like the good guy and mm-hmm. i don't know um but yeah it's it's i would not recommend watching the director's cut because it's long and if it's probably a little like 15 minutes too long and you get just as much out of it if you just watch like the standard edition so just find find the non-cut like 110 minute edition of it mm-hmm. and that edition is fine not the 130 minute but you also don't want to watch the one that's got like the five minutes of um gore and action cut out of it so but i don't know like again like i think that that the taxiguchi is entertaining to watch um i like the guy that plays the the, the bad guy quote unquote yeah. um i think Ryuhei kimura is a pretty talented action director <coughs> i don't know that it, all of his movies necessarily hold up that well but i think that you're always going to be entertained at least like watching his stuff so yeah I, I, the other concept i'm sure you were drawn to at the time too is that like gates of hell hellmouth concept I, I think that's a really neat concept to put inside of an action like this action horror yeah um and kind of mix those things um especially early on when the zombies haven't really like Mm -hmm. when they're just like rising from the ground or there's also some really i mean it's a beautiful area because they're filming actually and i think the forest of the dead the um i can't remember what that is actually called in japan but Mm -hmm. um i think they're actually filming in that area and one of the things that's really cool about that is that it's just beautiful anyway you know like yeah you get some really amazing shots of like the woods and the creek and you know when they're in the hills like when the zombies are coming out out of the moss and the um whatever the detritus of the forest floor like that's really cool to see i mean he's he always has a really nice visual aesthetic to him i think and i think all of his movies are like that um i don't know i mean maybe it's just always going to be a a matter of translation when you're talking about like watching these Japanese movies that you're going to watch subtitled because it's not ever going to translate 100%. And I think there's a lot more um, 
it's the word I'm looking for. Uh, it's like an over-the-top, almost like no theater aspect to the way that a lot of this Japanese stuff is filmed. Um, and you'll see that mixed in with the horror movies that we'll talk about over the next few months as well, um, where there's a lot less subtlety and a lot more theatrical um, like exposition in their movies. So, But anyway, enjoyable. Yeah, it was enjoyable to watch again for the first time since, you know, I don't know. I don't know how long. Close to twenty years, I guess. But um like, like seventeen years. Yeah. It's been it's been that long. I haven't watched it, I don't think, since yeah. it's the kind of thing like watching it now. The only I mean, I say it loses steam at some point. Like it kind of like gets a little exhausting at some point. And but um I still enjoyed watching it. This is one hundred percent a movie though that sixteen or seventeen year old Frank would have marked out to like nobody's business. Like I would have loved this movie so much when I was a right a teenager and i i I think that it was part of that was what kind of drew me to it (coughs) you know in my whatever 20 early 20s sure um young man like when i was really getting into the japanese like mondo cinema yeah oh sorry goodness (laughs) it's been a long week (laughs) all right i'll just move on from verses then um Number four on your list is Shadow of the Vampire. It uh, is directed by E. Elias Merge. Stars John Malkovich, Willem Dafoe, Carrie Elwes, Udo Kier, Eddie Izzard, and Catherine McCormick. It has an 81% from critics and a 74% from audiences on Rotten Tomatoes. You want to tell us a little bit about this and why I made the list? I want to turn this around a little bit because I feel like every time we've talked about this movie prior to tonight, uh-huh. I've gotten the impression from you that you do not like this movie or there's something about it that you have a lot of disdain for. And so I, I haven't seen this movie since probably 2001. Uh-huh. And I, you started making me doubt myself. And I was like, man, is there some like bad shit in this movie that I don't remember? Mm-hmm. And I watched it again and I really enjoyed it again. So I'm curious, like, what do you not like about this movie? <coughs> <coughs> I don't know if I dislike this movie. I think that the movie is just kind of bland. Um, I think it looks nice overall. I think it's like fairly. I think it's fairly well directed. I find like this the the humor that they're going for at times. I find not very humorous. So I don't really get any kind of satisfaction from that aspect of it. Um. So, so let me ask you this then. Yeah, doing a doing a reverse, particularly reverse of the acting. I don't find the the performances amusing that are supposed to be amusing. Who do you think is supposed to be amusing? I think at different points, like di- from dialogue and stuff like that. I think they're all supposed to like kind of. I think it's like this like low key comedy uh, up to a point. Um, I think it's all supposed to be a low key comedy. Um, in this kind of that's not a good example i'm trying to think of something that's all i'm thinking of are things that are too wacky like clue but it's like there's this kind of like gentlemanly like comedy that's behind all of it i think that it's like this like kind of almost british style like downplayed comedy and i just don't think it's like it elicits a chuckle 
every once in a while from me, but it's like a more of like a huh. I um, mean, and I think, more, I think it goes on and on. I just think it's a little dull, like, and not particularly effective in what it's trying to do at times. I don't, so I don't necessarily agree that it's, I think more or less it's trying to be. You're taking a man that actually existed in Max Shrek, right? Mm-hmm. And turning him into, through a brilliant performance, by Defoe, turning him into an actual vampire, mm-hmm. which is a ridiculous conceit to do this with this person, like these scenarios that actually existed and just completely changing it into a fictional account where the man is actually a vampire like right. at the end and i think i don't know that the horror is meant to make you laugh so much as it's meant to make you kind of shake your head at these people who can't who are so hung up on themselves and their own like little problems like there's there's a part like in them i don't two-thirds of the way through the movie where Udo Kier is like, and maybe it's like halfway through the movie. Um, I'm a producer. Don't you think I would know if the man was a vampire or not? Like, I, I don't know. It's just, there's like little things where it's funny in relation to the horror of the fact that this murdering like creature of the night is actually just kind of like using them through the absolute hubris of, um, Malkovich's director character. I don't know. Yeah, the con- I get it. Like conceptually, I think it's 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 very humorous. I don't know if I find it humorous in the way that it plays out necessarily. I mean, hundred percent. It's I I think the performances are fantastic, and I I think every every actor does a really good job with, except particularly Defoe, who's just like. I mean, if you watch the Kinski he does the best, uh, some of the best comedic work, I think, in terms of his face. Oh no, but I don't think it's comedic at all. He's well. He's I think comedic. I think it's I I I think there's a part of him that knows, like the care, like it's like that character. Maybe maybe it's the editing. Maybe it's maybe that's what I I'm seeing. It's like, but I I feel like even. There's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek nature to, like, when it cuts to him at times almost being, like, exasperated for the other characters at times. Like, I I feel like he's doing some really subtle facial stuff that, like, is almost, like, knowing, like, these fucking idiots. And, like, you can see it, like, in his Well, because he just wants to... He just wants to kill him, and he wants right, to... Right, right. And like, I think, that, to... like, those are the kind of things that actually kind of made me, like, chuckle at times is some of those cuts to him, like, just, like, looking at them, like, with his, like, hands crossed. Like, <laughs> um, and, but, I don't know. I don't, I didn't particularly enjoy Malkovich in this, um, that much. Like, I didn't enjoy the character, certainly. I don't think, um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm blaming him for that. Yeah, I just, I just kind of watched it. Like I, 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 there's nothing really that like drew me into this movie like necessarily to make me like really care. I don't think I dislike it. I don't think I like hate it. I don't think I like have like a lot of negative things to say about it. It just wasn't something I was like. I was just kind of like, oh, okay. Like, I thought it was gonna be better than what it was. Honestly, like I, I was, I was looking forward to like watching, it, and I was just kind of eh, okay. 
I don't know. I, I really enjoy it. I'm just nonplussed. I, I don't dislike it. Yeah. Feels some like fun, so. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't just, um, and I, I even, I even look. I, I look. You want me to? What is you know, bumper? What did your you know father always tell you? Let me say this. It for merge. At least they made a real movie, you know. Um, it's a real movie. <clears throat> yeah, it's a real movie. <laughs> Um, that might be one of the, like, what was the name of that thing? I think I blocked it out of my mind. The movie that he made, the experimental. What is it? The one that I hated so much that he made. Um, Begotten. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is his first movie since that, I think, right? It is. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. only one since then. What was that? Um, that Suspect Zero movie. Oh Jesus! But Ben Kingsley? Uh. Hmm. That's it. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, this is the best movie. Yeah, there's no positive comment. Um. <clears throat> Anyway, I really enjoy it. Um, I think it's an interesting conceit of the idea of taking, you know, this these this film that actually existed with an actor that actually existed and just completely, I don't know, like fictionalizing the entire account of it and right. making the assumption that what you're seeing when you watch Nosferatu is an actual vampire on camera, which I think is a pretty um pretty fantastic conceit. So, yeah. I and I think the performances are great. And again, I think I I, I think Defoe is freaking amazing in it. So, um, because he really hits like, like you watch Kinski do it in '78, and that's an homage. And you watch Defoe do it in 2000, and it's a extrapolation. I think, mm-hmm. and I think those are two really interesting takes on the same um, performance that don't fall to the level of like mimicry they really are just like actual like you know acting performances so and see i think there's another difference there in the fact that it's like not that i it's not that i don't care at all it's just that i'm not as into that history i think as you are in terms of like nosferatu and like all that kind of stuff well i mean max max shrek is like the um, prototype for things like Lugosi and mm-hmm. um, you know Basil Rathbone and um, uh, what's the Boris Karloff I mean like th- this is like the first guy that was the you know giving people nightmares because of his performance and right. it's really like in terms of his mannerisms and um, just in general like it's it's so iconic like that performance and that's why another reason why i think it's really kind of fascinating to watch it play out (coughs) under the auspices that it was like an actual vampire who was just like taking advantage of Mm -hmm. this egotistical asshole in morneau um but yeah but maybe that is it maybe that is just the the love of like the history of horror that 
kind of puts me in a place where I can appreciate that kind of stuff more. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just like you don't know, like watching the universal shit and like I right. love like the right. horror from the the thirties and forties. Right. Um Yeah. That's what that's kinda of what I mean is like, yeah, I'm not like necessarily a big fan of that or like into like the history of those kind of things. Yeah. Um it's just too old for me. Um which is I think my failing more than anything. But <clears throat> um all right. Uh jumping ahead, okay, so just pure transparency, we've talked about the next three movies uh that's on this list. Uh although there's one I'm we're both Frank's definitely convinced we talked about it. I'm I think we talked about it, but I can't find where we talked about it. We, talk, we talked about it because it was too late to make a list and then all of a sudden it came up free somewhere and I was like, you should watch this so we can just talk about it but it wasn't on like a top five it was like something that we talked about for like seven or eight minutes Mm, in addendum to a top five okay so that's what it was right because that's probably correct yes you're probably got a good memory on that okay doesn't matter Number three on your list, we did talk about last year. If you want to hear a, like a bit, a, a bit, a bit more about this movie uh, on our Where Creatures episode, um, it's Ginger Snaps, uh, directed by John Falstead. It stars Emily Perkins, Catherine Isabel, Chris Lemke, and Mimi Rogers. It has a ninety percent from critics on Rotten Tomato and a seventy-eight percent from audiences. So, you want to just briefly tell us a little bit about this and uh, why it's on your top of the two thousand list? Uh, one of my favorite um, werewolf movies of all time, and also a movie that I think is um, takes an interesting look at like uh, budding sexuality and um, puberty, and the idea of like um, sort of like your hormones like coming out and changing you from you know being like a child almost into being an adult and what that means and how it affects your family and doing so in a way that i think is really kind of like thoughtful and well presented Mm um good performances in this movie uh it's it's something where this was a time period where you were digging to find horror movies in a lot of ways and so pardon me and so it was kind of a really um just a nice treat to find this movie when when i first saw it um werewolf movies really have to like hit the right marks for me to appreciate them because otherwise i think they're kind of lame um and this is one that does and i think it's got um i think it's got a good it's almost it's almost like a natural like companion piece to something like like Buffy or whatever you know where it's got snappy dialogue it's got good believable teenage characters in it um it's a brisk like well plotted well paced movie um with some really good set pieces in it and a pretty cool uh twist in the idea of like the you know again like it's fuck I can't remember that woman's name the one that wrote like the bloody tower or whatever that did the feminist um reimaginings of like folklore or whatever yeah. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. um but it's similar to that you know where it's like here's this like kind of like 
socially stunted um, young woman who's kind of like pushed into womanhood because of this change that comes about her. So, I mean, obviously, as a um, you know, in a whatever, like a, an, an analogy for her getting her period or discovering her sexuality or whatever, but it's done in a really interesting way, and it's it's a it's a fun movie to watch. Yeah, we talked about this um, pretty thoroughly, um, and I do want to correct myself. Uh, that was not last year. That was two years ago, episode 126. Um, we have uh, so many episodes um, that I forget now. But, uh, yeah, I think this is a really well-done movie, really well-acted. Um, I think it does a great job of working real women's issues into a story in a fresh for the time way and um and i think it works also as a really just well done werewolf movie which isn't like my top genre like subgenre, but um really effective here i really enjoyed your list two years ago for that um yeah that werewolf list was a lot better than i thought it would be yeah it was um for a genre that i'm not really into or doesn't like necessarily like i is one of probably one of my like lower genres of horror for the worst films out of it. Um, yeah, and this this was probably like my my one of my top two movies out of that list that I really liked a lot. Um, having never seen it before, so watching it again was enjoyable. And um, and and I think there it, it does deserve repeated viewings, probably at least um, in your life, like at least like two or three times, because uh, I think you can pull more out of it like watching it a couple times. Yeah, good movie. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's on. It's almost always on Shutter. I think. Like, I think it like ne- hardly ever leaves Shutter. Um, it might be on Tubi as well right now. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what Shutter's deal is, but um, yeah, it, a lot of those movies do kind of come and go on, uh, from Shutter on Tubi as well, even if they're on Shutter all the time. All right. Um. Number two on your list, which so maybe it didn't ever make a top five before, but is Uzumaki. It is directed by Akiro Higuchi. Um, it stars Eriko Hatsue, Fifan, and Ren Osuki. It has a 58% from critics, a 57% from audiences. So you want to tell us a little bit about this one and why it's on the list? Uh, so based on manga um, of the same name by Junji Ito, um, it's kind of a really loose horror film that has an anthology film feel, but where everything is like connected as opposed to like a typical anthology by like a central plot line. Um, the general idea being that there's this young girl that lives in this town um, that's kind of like they basically say possessed by the spiral. Uh, so everywhere in the town, there's um, things that are, I don't know how you would say it. Like they see like swirls in the, you know, in the sky and in the, the lake and um, the girl's boyfriend's father is really into, or no, her father is really into pottery and um, is basically like using the, mud from the lake where the ashes of like the dead bodies from the crematorium end up and um 
there's a lot of things in it that are really just kind of visually stunning in the way that it's filmed. Um, but all that comes from Junji Ito uh, and his own imagination. Um, if you're not familiar, there's a couple of animated anthology um, series on Netflix that take Junji Ito stories and animate them. Um, it's very, it's weird horror. It's definitely um, cosmic horror in a lot of ways um, and body horror almost 100% of the time. Um, for instance, there's a woman who's like the spiral is kind of like infesting her. So it causes her hair to like curl around like Medusa curls. Um, mm -hmm. There's a kid who turns into a snail where like the spiral kind of like curls out of his back and turns his because um, he's like sluggish and he needs to be wet all the time because he's like a slug. And um, so there's a lot of stuff that's, you know, when you see in the movie is pretty visually interesting. Um, I think you have to really, I don't know that you can appreciate the movie as much if you're not into the manga necessarily, or if you don't understand, um, not understand, if you don't have like pre-knowledge of what the story is from reading the manga, because it does skip a lot of things. Um, and it just becomes more or less, I think, what people complain about um, that aren't really into, like, the early 2000s Japanese and Asian horror, which is that you don't necessarily get a lot of, like, strong plot and narrative in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, you're more or less just moved from scene to scene, um, which especially, especially with stuff like Juan and whatnot, um, that's another big complaint, you know, that people have is that, you know, you're not really watching a movie, you're just kind of watching a series of, like, weird um, images. Um, but if you take the time, and all this, all of Junji stuff is generally available for free on PDF on the internet with, like, a, you know, minimal amount of searching. And if you read the manga and you kind of get, like, a feel for his aesthetic and his style, I think it's just sort of enhanced by watching um, this movie. I really enjoy it. It was one of those, another one that I found um, just randomly through trading tapes with someone on the internet and fell in love with it. Um, love the visual enough where then I sought out the manga and read the manga and was super into that as well. Um, and then going back to read it um, kind of enhanced the, the experience for me, so. So here's here's the history of this. Now that you mentioned, here's what happened, and I remember what happened. You introduced to this to me in the two thousands, at some point with that with your tape trading and tape collecting yeah, as spir as spiral. Yeah. Years ago, you told me to watch it, and you used Uzumaki to describe it. Mm -hmm. So I watched it. And I started watching it and I got 20 minutes into it and I said, this is fucking spiral. Um, so this time I knew what it was and I watched it. And oddly enough, this is the most I've enjoyed it. And maybe it's what you were just saying about feeling that there's no narrative. I think there's definitely a narrative, but I think with a lot of Japanese movies, when you're not someone who speaks the language or understands their pacing i think i'm maybe at an 
I've seen it enough times now, and I'm at it, and my knowledge of Japanese film maybe is a bit better through these years that, and there might be a difference that I actually watched on the big screen rather than on my iPad. It's like there's something about it, like where I was more invested in it this time. I always thought mm-hmm. it had really interesting imagery. Like, I think that, like, some of the things they do are really effective. Um, but I think I actually enjoyed the movie more the third time watching it. Um, which is interesting because it's also how I've, like, come around to a couple other Japanese movies from around this time period as well. The more I watch it, the more I feel like I enjoy it. Um, so it could just be a thing in terms of pacing or storytelling techniques or editing, like somehow that they tell their narratives that the more I watch it, the more I understand them, the more I come around to it, maybe. But um, this is the most I've enjoyed it so far. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, I think yeah, I, that... it's a really it's a really it's it's a solid movie. I don't know if it ranks up there as much as like things like Juan or like anything like that for me, but um I think it's a solid movie with some really great imagery in it. Um well, again, another a lot of a lot of especially with with Ito, but with a lot of live action film that are based on manga, the expectation is that you understand everything that came in the written form before you went to read right before you went to see the movie you know what i mean like so that you're already knowing um the story and like whatever the general like just of what's going to happen so you're more just it's more to impress you with their interpretation of that as opposed to like actually telling you right the whole and there's actually stuff in the manga that's much cooler that ties everything together that they don't even touch on in the movie and i can never remember like what what goes where so sometimes i forget what's going to happen in the movie but i've mm-hmm. I've, I've i've seen uzumaki probably like eight or nine times total mm-hmm. no no that's not true i've probably seen this movie like 15 or 16 times um but i always enjoy it i, I think it looks really nice and i think it's a really cool um really cool premise and um has some really great like weird horror elements to it so yeah yeah um yeah no i i I, it's definitely uh worth watching um i think all right so the number one movie on our list we have also talked about sorry i was sitting there trying to find my tab um way back at episode 80 um in august of 2020 for the top five high society films do you remember this list frank can you can you remember what isn't was society list? society was on it no that was the top five part yes top five horror movies 89 was um society metropolitan this uh-huh. movie yep um there it's it's three the three directors oddly enough all end with the letter the last name ends with the letter s The three that are left after uh-huh. Whit Stiltman and what's her name? Um, Mary Heron. Yeah, yeah, Mary Heron. Uh, I don't remember what the other three are. What are the other three movies? Wells, is Citizen Kane. Um, okay. Ophuls, The Earrings of Oh, Man Earrings of Day. Man of Day, yeah. And Sturgis, um, yeah. Unfaithfully Yours. Mm. Yeah, uh, good movies. A lot of a lot of apostrophe s's um after an s um when i had to write that out 
So number one on your list for 2000 is Mary Heron's American Psycho starring Christian Bale in a career defining role, Jared Leto, Willem Dafoe making his second appearance this uh, this list and Reese Witherspoon has a 68% from critics, 85% from audiences. I don't remember that little tidbit that that be that that was so low critically um, on Rotten Tomatoes three years ago, but um, there it is. So uh, we've talked about this more in depth then, but okay, go ahead. Yeah. I think there's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, American Psycho, the, the novel was one of those things where, it's like proto edgelord kind of um where he was like oh have you read american psycho oh i i read american psycho and i get all the references in it blah 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 Mm. and i remember there being a rolling stone article back when the book came out um that was kind of like mocking sort of that proto hippie or proto yuppie like uh I don't even know what you call um self-congratulatory like yeah i i i know brady stanellis like i've read american psycho so i think that even what's that book 91 probably something like that 92 like even a decade later there still is this critical um backlash to the idea of like that book having any merit and obviously, like, if they don't feel like the book can have any merit, then how can this movie have any merit? And right. it's just gratuitous or whatever, because nobody understands, like, parody. So, I don't know. It's like we talk about, you go back and look at contemporaneous reviews of something like Texas Chainsaw or, I don't know, The Omen or whatever. And people are, like, shitting all over that stuff because they feel like there's no way there can be any merit to this quote-unquote horror movie. Like, what the hell? Right. Uh, yeah i love um american psycho uh i think that it was one of those things where i almost even felt like when i watched this movie because this is when i was working in the movie theater um when this came out and it was one of those things that we stayed after and watched and i remember thinking like questioning myself as to whether the movie was good where i was like no nah, there's no way this movie was as good as you just thought it was um where i had to watch it again and really like kind of convince myself that it was that it had like actual cinematic merit to it because i think that american psycho is a pretty important movie mm-hmm. um and it's even though it's still like i mean easton ellis is writing this like right on the cusp of the 1980s so he's like very firmly planted in um that whole conspicuous consumption of the eighties, you know, Heron is doing it as a parody against like toxic masculinity and, um, you know, the culture of consumption and just the idea of like this man who's so self-obsessed and obsessed with the material doesn't even know if he's actually murdering people or not. Um, because like his priorities are just so completely like i don't know out of whack or whatever yeah in the patrick bateman character um one of the i think biggest star making performances of the early 2000s in 
making Christian Bale like a person that people wanted to see. Right. Um, definitely some of the most iconic scenes from the early 2000s um, that would be like repeated and parodied and referenced, you know, for years afterwards from this movie. Um, in particular, the, you know, the Huey Lewis thing when he's going to murder, what's his name? Um, Bryce, is that right? Is that what the character's name is? Anyway. Um, uh, what the yeah, hell is his name? God damn it. Paul Allen. Allen. Yeah, Paul Allen. Yeah. Um, yeah, just it's it's it does it does black satire in probably the best way possible in the sense that it will make you laugh in spite of yourself <laughs> and is still effective storytelling. And doesn't ever feel like derivative or too tongue in cheek, um, and just really, I don't know, just really a great movie. Like definitely worth watching. Um, great performances across the board. Really, just a scathing takedown of the whole idea of of wealth and, and personal success and people devaluing other human beings. Um, yeah, in deference to their own like personal gain. Sure, image perception, like of status, and I mean the cards thing is one of the things that always like kills me. I, I the <clears throat> the scene where I can't remember is that it's the guy from um fuck the polygamy the polygamy show um is oh big where, love yeah big love yeah uh, it's when that character who's like a secret homosexual i think like ends up getting his business card is where they do like the real intense close-ups of like bale's face and right it's the eggshell with the yeah yes the embossed what yeah All right. matt ross is the actor's name that's him. um but yeah like i love that stuff the manic energy of like the last 15 minutes of that movie um, from a comedic standpoint is really strong. Uh, I, I, it's still like, even though it's like this breakthrough adult role for Bale, I still think it's one of his best performances. Um, Even after all these years, Uh, it's, it's just, he just nails it. Um, Like I can't imagine anybody else doing it in a lot of ways like and oh, yeah, and, and to some degree like even though i think bale's a really accomplished actor and we just talked about him on the spin chagrin a little bit when we uh discussed the pale blue eye um and i think he's really good in that and he's like he's he can be kind of chameleonish, but um there's some part of him that's like always in the back of my mind he's always patrick bateman like right um he's always that guy and I mean, I think he even like uses a little bit of that in Batman when he does Bruce Wayne is he relies a little bit on some of the Patrick Bateman stuff in terms of high society and like um like I, I think there's an element of him like even like, you know, not as much as like Depp eventually like, you know, becomes Hunter Thompson or something like that. But I think there's a little bit of element of him. There's always a little Bateman in there. Um or yeah, maybe there's maybe definitely. there's a little bit of him in Bateman. I don't know. Um 
that's for somebody better than me yeah. to figure out but yeah it's still a really solid movie i i watched this is this is one of those things where it's like it's not that long what is it like two hours yeah um, a little less than think actually a little less yeah okay so no it's only like in 97 minutes yeah like, you don't count credits um so this is a movie that feels like it just goes by in a snap like it's so well paced that like there's not much downtime you sit there and start watching it and it's over um and i don't say that to mean like oh like you know it's like didn't take me long to watch it it's just that it's like it's a really great movie that like is so well paced so well done that it feels like you're not watching it for any amount of time and it's over um because you're just kind of engaged and invested um and this is probably like the 10th time i've probably seen it in my life and was still really really enthralled by the performances and all that kind of stuff so what do you think of the idea that um dicaprio um at one point was going to play this and stone was going oliver stone was going to direct it like wouldn't that have been the most like heavy-handed yes bullshit ass movie like ever well, it's funny when you talked about like you know what this is mocking, and it's like I, I was think I, Wall Street came into my into my mind like you know like of this era of um, what's the phrase you like conspicuous consumption, conspicuous like, consumption, yeah. Um, and like this is so much better at like taking a look at that than something like Wall Street is, and um, yeah, I think it would just be over the top and hammy and if if stone directed it do i think leo it would be a such a different character i think leo could do it but it would be so different and probably to me not as effective agreed yeah i think that's right um and plus at his age like i would want to see leo be a little bit older than he was here maybe see i i i think yeah, I, I don't know. That's probably true. I, I think that Oliver Stone would have absolutely no ability to view this as anything but straight. Like, there mm. would be no... Like, Heron, I think, at least understands that it's it's parody. You know, that it's, it's, it's black, like, satire, but it's still that they need to have that element of, like, parody to it. Like, you've got to have... Right. Some ability to kind of laugh at Bateman or at least like feel the same confusion that Bateman feels, you know, when he's like everybody's seen Paul Allen because nobody even really knows who like Paul sure. Allen is. Right. Even matter, even right. like his fiance. Right. Um, I don't think that Stone's able to have that same sense of humor. I think that Stone makes this incredibly dark, like dour film, um, with a bunch of pensive like teeth gritting shots from uh dicaprio mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. i i think that's i think that's probably accurate all right i do want to point out one thing that i was investigating just now is that we might have a contender for the gene hackman david warner total number of movies on the podcast now with Defoe, he he's Defoe's at thirteen. I'd have to like add up Hackman and Warner, but Defoe's at thirteen right now. Yeah, 
Ben Defoe looking at his filmography and the fact that he's still producing so many movies a year. Defoe in the end probably has might win. I'm gonna start pulling some more David Warner shit in. <laughs> There's still a lot of movies I think that could end up making lists with Defoe that already exist. Um sorry, fourteen. I missed one. He's at fourteen right now. Are you counting spin chagrins in there too? Nope. Oh well then he's in a couple spin or not spin chagrins, but um quick cages. Yeah, quick cages, yeah. No, yeah. I didn't count the quick cages unless we talked about it on the primary podcast. So um no, I'm just counting top five lists. Yeah, he's a fourteen because I missed the Florida project. Um in there. Well, we'll talk about Platoon at some point. We'll right. talk about Fantastic Mr. Fox at some point, I assume. Yeah, maybe Manderley too. Maybe even Antichrist, even though I don't ever want to watch that movie again. Sure. Have we never talked about the lighthouse in a primary podcast, have we? Oh, I counted that. So I but maybe not. I think we did. I have a feeling that we did. I think it might have made a fresh five at one point. It's entirely possible we could talk about um Less Temptation of Christ. Right. I think that there's a couple uh, uh, Wes Anderson movies. I, I know that there's one, probably Grand Budapest at some point. We probably will, I would assume. Somehow English patient, make... possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot, man. Yeah. I mean, and shit, when we do worst of type things, it's like <laughs> there's a couple in there too that could be a possibility. Um, Aquaman. Um, you get into hated stuff yeah Isn't... spider-man 2 oh we already talked about that oh that's true we've already talked about all three spider-mans now we've talked about them all we have we, we need, except, we for, need to... except for no way home which he was in so we haven't talked about that we also need to get into the andrew garfield uh spider-mans at some point right right yep i don't know what lists they make but did we did we do justice? Why did we talk? Did we did we just do that like on a quick cage or something where we talked about the Justice League? I don't know. Okay. We talk. I know we talked about it at least for a little bit. Like we talked Snyder about the cut. yeah, we talked about the Snyder cut. Yeah, that was on like a quick cage, I think, or something like that. Maybe I don't know. That's that where all be, the that's, that that's where all the good stuff comes out. Could be fifteen. He's already won. Um... <clears throat> I'd have to go back and look. But yeah, Willem Dafoe coming out of nowhere. I didn't even realize it. <clears throat> um, well, at least it's not James Wood. <laughs> Poor James Woods. Um, or John Voight. Hold on. Did we talk about The Hunger? We haven't do- done that yet, right? We haven't done The Hunger yet. No, okay. I'm saving it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, that's um, that is it for... 2000 um next week we'll be back with the fresh five um for our first episode of february and then we will have an episode that looks back at uh what about high... james con james con you think yeah. he's been in yeah what no nah. james con got like six You think so? 
Yeah, James Conner. James Conner ain't been on this podcast. What did you got? Misery, Godfather, something, something random. Godfather. Yeah. Freebie and the Bean. Freebie and the Bean. Right. <laughs> right. Godfather um, Two, which we haven't talked eventually about. Eventually, we'll get to the Godfather Two, right? Um, but there's uh, two. Thief Three. Thief. Yeah. We haven't talked about Alienation yet. Or Dick no, Tracy. Or Dick Tracy. Misery, Misery we've four. talked about. Honeymoon mm-hmm. in Vegas. That's a quick that's, cage. That's, that's not cage, top five. Right? Ain't making shit for a while there in the 90s. Um, you don't think we'll ever talk about Bottle Rocket? Maybe. It's possible. We talk about oh, that's a quick cage. God damn. See, that's uh-huh. what I'm thinking of. Is all way, the, the way of, right? The way of the gun was a spin chagrin. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, see, you're thinking of um, Dogville, I think we'll end up talking about someday. Only if you force me to. Right. Right. And you're going to like it. I'm not going to like it. You're going to like it. I'm going to be sad. <laughs> God, I hate that movie. Damn, James Conn was in a movie called Prego Land. What the fuck? He's also the grandpa and undercover grandpa. God, the undercover grandpa sounds exactly like a spin chagrin movie. What about Ed Harris? <laughs> Why are you trying to find people that could that could be contenders? I'm just um, I'm just I'm just trying to think outside the box, man. I'm like, all right, okay. I mean, I don't want David Warner to lose. I want David Warner to always be the number one. I think he's already lost. Um, I think you've already lost. Let's look at Ed Harris. Okay, we'll look at Ed Harris. And- Night Riders, we've talked about. No. Yeah. No. I put that on the list. You've, we have, ne- I have never watched this movie, Frank. You've never watched Night Riders? No. Oh man, you're. We've fucking, never talked about Night Riders. You're a loser. On the podcast. Well, creep talk show. About we've creep show. About. We have. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um. There's one. We never talked about Walker, although I almost put it on the list. Mm. And you won't let me talk about the Abyss, so. I did, I've never said that I will not let you talk about the abyss. I'm not going to listen to you whine for fucking 20 minutes. I haven't watched that movie since I fell asleep during it when I was fucking nine years old and slept walked out of the fucking theater. Like, it's not that I dislike that movie or hate that movie. I don't know that movie. I was bored by it when I was nine, but who knows hey, you should how watch I feel it again. now. Yeah, maybe I should. Maybe you should watch the second Avatar movie and tell me how Cameron's doing with his life. Um, Maybe I never will. <laughs> I am never watching that movie. That's going to be like that. That that's our ultimate game of chicken. There, <laughs> who's 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 putting a goddamn Avatar movie on the right. list? <laughs> right. Okay. Glenn Gary Glenn Ross is two. Yeah. Um, need did did we? You didn't put. Need I can't. I can't remember. I don't know. I don't think you did. The Rock, but that's see the the this is why the fucking quick cage should count. Hey, look, we can make the quick cage count, and then Willem Dafoe's like what up to like sixteen? Oh yeah, David He's... Warner ain't making shit. Um, nah. off the quick cage. That's a shame. I should have given Nick Cage a call. Um, yeah, I mean, we're not talking about any other Ed Harris thing. We're not talking about milk money ever. I mean, um. You don't know. Maybe I like milk. I don't like milk. Money. Eye for an eye. Um. Okay. So Rock is. I mean, someday the Rock could make something like that's on the top five. No, because I already considered us so talked about it, and I don't want to talk about it again. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And we're going to talk about... Um, Beautiful Mind made the list because I fucking... No, not a Beautiful Mind, sorry. That's Beautiful Girls. Um, I'm gonna, yeah, um, he's, he's, he's nothing. History of Violence 3. Yeah. You ain't putting Gone Baby Gone on shit. Why not? I like that movie. Do you? Sure. I thought you like were just like, yeah, okay. I mean, I don't think it's like the greatest movie ever, but I think it's an enjoyable movie enough. Snowpiercer? Will Snowpiercer make something maybe someday? I feel like you don't like Snowpiercer. And why why do you much... think I don't like Snowpiercer? These are watched... these are a lot of like accusations just being levied. Um I think you watched it and didn't enjoy it. I thought it was fine. I think you were nonplussed. I thought, I thought it was good. I just didn't think it was great. I thought it was good, yeah, though. Well, I wouldn't that's shit why on it. you're wrong, because it is great. It's, good. it's a great movie. You can put Mother, Mother on a list, because that's actually really good. Um, yeah, I like that movie. Uh, fucking Geostorm. Geostorm feels like a Spin Chagrin movie. It should um, be, and it might be someday. It will not be the Spin Chagrin movie this week. And let me tell you, the Spin Chagrin <laughs> movie this week is so fucking bad. Oh, God, he's doing a version of Long Day's Journey in the Night. Okay. Um, Lost Daughter was a good movie. You'll never watch it. What um, is it called? Lost Daughter. It was from that, two that years sounds, ago. Um, that sounds real boring. Olivia Coleman um, was maybe nominated for an Oscar for it. No, it was Maggie Gyllenhaal's is, first movie. Care to find out. I like it. Was, it, was, it was a good movie. Um, not gr- like over the top great, but it was, it was a solid like thriller, um, psychological thriller. Maggie Ma- Ma- Maggie Gyllenhaal got a melty face. Maybe you'll put Top Gun Maverick on a on a list, and Ed Harris will make it. Yeah, Ed Harris ain't making. We're shit. just going to talk about Top Gun Maverick on the Spin Chagrin on Tuesday. I know, that'll, I know. that'll be the end of that'll it. be the end of that. Okay, yeah. that's the list it's going to make. Is 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 the after after show Spin Chagrin? Yes, <laughs> movie that's enjoyable enough to talk about for fifteen minutes, but doesn't fall into. Right. You know what? Maybe it's like. Maybe someday it's like best sequels that came decades after the original. There you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, by the time we get to that episode, I hope like we'll be dead. Uh, well, that new Indiana, the the new Indiana Jones movie may um may make that list. You never know. It won't. Maybe, maybe it's gonna actually be good. Maybe it I'm being be negative. Good. Maybe I'm being negative. It won't. It I won't. got faith in it. I think really. I think no, of course not. <laughs> but I think they maybe have learned their lesson um, after Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I don't think they learned shit. I don't think they learned shit. I'm be surprised they weren't getting advice from Cameron. They probably all get together like in like a little club, like Scorsese and Cameron and Spielberg and Lucas, and like you know plot, um, like how they can be self indulgent. <clears throat> They all got to pay up because James Cameron made a movie with something called Unobtainium that earned a billion dollars. So right. that that's some kind of bet. Oh, God, I hope I never have to watch those movies. Um, you're right. It is a game of chicken in some way. Of like how we end up actually talking right. about those movies someday. Cameron's like, all right, I got it. You got to find some way to put him in a refrigerator. (laughs) And Lucas is like, oh, what? And Spielberg's like, oh, you motherfuckers. 
<laughs> wait, 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 wait. The thing they're trying to find, they can't get it. You know what it's called? <laughs> Unobtainium. Well, you think they're just like fucking with each other in a room? Yeah, like, yeah, I think so. I think mm, that would be so much better. Like, you know, right? Yeah, right. That's how that's how Scorsese. It's like you know, look, I want you to <laughs> use Pesci and De Niro, and you got to de-age them through half the movie. <laughs> all all that's happening with Scorsese is he's sitting in a room by himself, and he's like, you, you know what you got to do, buddy. You got to make a movie about gangsters, but this time, this, wait, wait for it. This time they're Irish. <laughs> right. I'm so brilliant, but then there's nobody there, like confirming, right? Because right. they're all watching good movies that are enjoyable to watch instead of like him rehashing the same shit for the 400th time. Yeah. Goddamn fucking hack. <laughs> uh, oh, it should be fun to talk about. Maverick, um, which I did like. I did like. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Damn, so, we're already done talking about it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, next week, like I said, uh, we'll be back with um, Fresh Five. Week after, or a couple weeks after that, we'll be back uh, looking at Aronofsky, revisiting Aronofsky's The Wrestler um, and Pie, and then we will. Uh, end the month of February with the top five horror movies of 2001. In the meantime, listen to the Spin Chagrin. I already forgot what was the category this week, Frank. Bees, bees, right? Yes, <laughs> bees. <laughs> um, yes, bees. Um, but keep listening to the Spin Chagrin. We'll be releasing those every week near the beginning of the week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week. Deuces.